Welcome to the Half Yard Line. I'm Tim. I'm Luke. And welcome to the biggest edition of the offseason so far. Ladies and gentlemen, this is part one of the eagerly anticipated Luke Grundy mock draft 2023. You need no other mock drafts. Luke of the one mock year. One NCAA tournament bracket, one NFL mock draft. You do not pick five of these things. You don't start in August. You do it once. You do it in April. You do it right. And you folks get to see it live and in living color whenever you're reading this. Pretend that it's happening live. Yes. This is, I know Twitter's been a buzz. Daniel Jeremiah's last mock draft comes out tomorrow. So obviously he's waiting for this to drop so he can take (laughs) all of my notes. And I appreciate that, DJ. A great analyst. Enjoy your work. Looking forward to the draft coverage, uh, as always. But yeah, don't get really into the mock draft shuffle too much because, frankly, until basically today or this week, a lot of people are doing a lot of faffaroo, a lot of nonsense, a lot of tomfoolery in the press, in the media. And I feel like now things start to crystallize into a point where at least there's some sense of consensus around where people will go. And then obviously the first round begins and five picks in, everyone's mocks all over the place. We can do a uh, post-draft mop-up of how well I scored, perhaps, if uh, I do sufficiently well to merit one. But yeah, today we'll be going through the picks that I have mocked to the NFL great and the good. Before we do that, remind you as always to follow us on the socials at half yard line pod you can also email us half yard line pod at gmail.com if that is your bag wherever you're listening to this go to said podcast platform leave us a rating and a review super helpful to us hit the subscribe button send it off to all the folks you know who love football like football dislike football whatever happy to have them aboard and enjoy being serenaded by their favorite british accent that's true the if they're interested in hearing a british person and a kentuckian discuss things then this is the only podcast on earth i'm pretty confident in saying where you will find that content um Prove so me wrong. the mock draft will, the mock draft will be imminent but before that a couple of quick hitters on nfl news over the last sort of week or so that's yeah, happened since last stuff, we spoke stuff has happened let's go chronologically the first thing is the jalen hurts contract which was you know presented as a 15 year 840 billion dollar deal or whatever it was by philadelphia in actuality, maybe is not that so much, but seems to serve all parties quite well. Your thoughts on Jalen getting a pretty good payday there in the city of brotherly love? You know, Philadelphia has been doing this. Um, everybody talks about, uh, you know, Philly and Howie Roseman as like this new cap guru of all cap the genius, gurus. The, the genius. Wizards. He just makes money appear like... I feel like we should remind people sometimes either the cap eventually comes due or it was fake to begin with. And Philly does a little bit of both. Um, And for the longest time, this was how NFL contracts were structured. You would have a a couple of years on the front end that the player was almost certainly going to get. And then you would blow up the annual average with nonsense on the back end, so the player could say he was the highest paid whatever, he got at least X million a year, that everybody knew, no way he sees year four, year five of this deal. But over the last 10 years or so, the media has really been anti that contract structure. And they've said, blah, guaranteed money, blah, guaranteed money. None of it matters if it's not guaranteed money. And teams were putting out 
deals with more and more guaranteed money, but they were putting out deals with year four and year five that players would actually see. You know, the structure was certainly there was more money in year four and year five as the salary um, uh, bonus um, amortization was rolling down. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, year four and year five were attainable contract years. Um, this Jalen Hurts deal has gone the exact opposite direction. I can't believe the mainstream press has hopped on this thing to call it a $255 million five-year contract when what it amounts to is a three-year $106 million contract um, with you know only $4 million guaranteed thereafter. Uh, it's almost impossible that Jalen Hurts sees – the last two years of this deal, which are going to have 50 plus million dollar cap hits if he plays under them. And then the last year, uh, if he ever sees that, will leave $40 million in dead cap to amortize over the next four years. I get the caps going up. I get all that. There's nothing magic Still about this money. deal. It's just fake money. Like it's just, he's yeah. never going to see it. I think it was, uh, I saw it presented as, you know, it's almost a vote of confidence in Jalen, is how I saw it pitched by somebody. In, as in, we're confident that he will still be the quarterback and in three years we'll come back to the table, do a renegotiation, jiggle around with the money and so on. But like you say, I think it's unlikely he will see the deal as currently structured because either they're going to get rid of him before then or they'll, if he's good, they'll just continue to restructure him, spread the money out further down the track. There's been a lot made of the salary cap numbers over the next several years, which Roseman has managed to keep, well, Roseman and his team, I should say, have managed to keep on the low side um, by constructing it in such a way where there's lots of option payments and the option bonuses come due on x date and so on excuse me so i agree i mean i think it's you know it seems to work for everybody he gets to say i won i got the big bunny his agent gets to say that the eagles get their quarterback to lock up for at least the next several years but as you say they don't take such a crazy punt on a deshaun watson-esque long-term fully guaranteed thing that they may come to rue further down the track so I think the PR works for pretty much everyone. I think the structure is going to end up working for everyone, probably more tilted toward the, towards the Eagles side. But if Jalen Hurts continues to perform, then it shouldn't be a problem because when you get to year four and year five, he's still going to be good enough to warrant another deal, by which point you know you, you readjust it and you, you make hay once again. Yeah, my favorite math on this one, Luke, is if he's on the roster in 2028 and they don't cut him, he has a $54 million cap hit in 28. And a thirty-five million dollar cap hit uh, officially in twenty twenty-nine, but since it dies, you have to add the remaining years, so it ends up being seventy million in dead money in twenty twenty-nine. If they cut them before the twenty twenty-eight season, it's twenty-four million all in, and they're done. So it's one hundred and sixty million or twenty-four million. There's no way he plays on it. The whole thing is. Just <laughs> I mean, it's just nonsense. Speaking uh, of nonsense, yeah. Tim, Aaron Rodgers, purveyor of nonsense, fan of nonsense. Um, has finally put us out of our misery and been traded to the New York Jets. This happened only yesterday, I believe, um, as we record this. Finally over with, the Jets get their quarterback, I won't say of the future, of the present. The Packers get rid of an absolutely ungodly contract that they didn't want and a player who never wanted to play for them again and got a pretty good return. My take on this is that the Packers did very well for those that didn't see the terms it is a little bit of a convoluted trade the Packers and Jets basically swapped firsts this year 
The Packers also received the Jets' second round pick this year, and there's a conditional second next year, which will turn into a first round pick if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps for the Jets, which you would imagine is a cinch unless he breaks his leg in week two or something. Uh, so um, I saw there's also sorry. a so late saw- round. Uh, there's also a late round pick swap in there just to finish yeah. up the admin. Um, you know, a seven for a five kind of thing. So it's nothing too meaningful. Those are the headlines. Um, I'll kick it to you in a sec, Tim. But to me, I think the Green Bay Packers did excellently in this trade. Not only were they able to get what is almost certainly going to be a first round pick next year, they don't even have huge conditions attached to it. I thought if I was on the Jet side of this deal, I would try and make a trade where the condition is he plays for the team for at least two years or something like that. You try and finagle a way to push it a little bit further so you get some kind of backstop on Rogers not just playing for one year retiring and you've got no first round pick the year after to make up for it or make the snap percentage a lot higher if you're going to go down that route you know 80% or something because 65% means he could miss six games next season and they still have to send a first round pick to the Packers so for a team that really wanted to get rid of this guy I thought the Packers did pretty well out this whole deal agree disagree um so yes, if we are willing to give the Packers a pass for signing this contract last year, because um, <laughs> worth noting that that we did the same dance last year, right? Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? They yeah, the ought, five dance. They ought to have just cut their losses last year, um, especially if you think about the cap implications of this trade. So the salary cap this year for Aaron Rodgers would have been just over $31 million had he stayed in Green Bay. It is now $40 million after having gotten rid of him. So it costs them $9 million in cap space to not have their starting quarterback. I, hard to call that a win um, in, in any structuring. Now, what it prevented them from having is the next several years of cap hell that would have come along with this. Oh, yeah. And so if you compare what money was left on this deal to the $40 million that they're ultimately going to be on the hook for this year, it's not so bad. Um, In uh, this day, and I don't understand the salary cap, uh, I don't understand. But the Jets, while they have to pay him $60 million this year in fully guaranteed money, somehow only 15.8 of it is effectively salary cap money. So – whatever wizardry that is. I assume it's all signing bonus and therefore amortized in the future. Suffice it to say the Jets are going to pay a fortune um, for him over the next- This is going to hurt later for sure. Couple years. If if it's a one-year deal, it's a one-year $60 million deal, which is crazy. If he plays for two years, it becomes like a a two-year $128 million. It doesn't get better. Um, If he plays for three years, it starts to come back into the realm of reasonableness. Uh, but I don't think anybody expects that to be the case. It'd be really interesting to see where this goes for the Jets. What I think you were mostly referring to and was absolutely true is the draft compensation, how they convinced the Jets to give them what is almost certainly a one next year on top of a two this year um, is incredibly impressive in my view. Clearly the Jets were ready to have this done. Um, that – you know, the conditional making it a conditional two on him playing 65% of the snaps is basically betting on him getting injured. Uh, there's no, I mean, l- unless you count defensive snaps, there's no way he's not playing <laughs> 65. Yeah, he's not going to be on the punt coverage team. Yeah. But if you count offensive snaps only, I mean, he's obviously going to play in 65%. The other thing worth noting is that the Packers obviously have no control there and the Jets have all the control, but there's no way they're going to sit the guy halfway through the year to try to avoid. Yeah, they're going to. 
upgrading the pick. Lock up the one seed with six games left, so it's not really a a possibility. Yeah, the whole thing is just nonsense. So um, it's going to be a one, and you're getting a one and a two. I thought the one swap this year was an interesting little twist. Uh, Is it 13 and 15, right? Like we're. It's, uh, yeah, 13 and 15, yeah. So the Jets move down to 15, the Packers move up to 13. I mean, part of me says, why? Uh, frankly oh i think it's just a little bit of sweetener on the top that says hey we get a second this year but we also get a little bit of help in the immediate and interestingly that means the packers leapfrog the patriots and the jets go below them which is you know divisional rivalry for the jets there so it's a strange quirk i agree it'd be interesting to see how it shakes out in the draft because i actually think there's similarities in need for the packers and the jets so it might end up being that the packers then take the player the jets want which is quite funny but um we'll get into that in a minute but yeah i i agree an interesting wrinkle don't see a lot of trades with that kind of component in them that aren't significant moves certainly not ahead of draft night you know a guy moves you move up three slots to get a guy you move down five slots whatever but uh but yeah not knowing who's going to be there as a it's unusual to see that as a component of a wider trade um certainly outside of people who play dynasty fantasy football sure it was a um you know when you've got a guy over a barrel and you just want to let him know it that's what it felt like to me. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> like at the end of the day, it was like, all right, we'll do it. Yeah, actually, we could do it, but we got to switch first. So we're maybe not... the Packers are like, remember the darkness retreat that we had to sit through? Do you remember that? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, pain. we're not trading you. Our what do first. they call it in yeah, uh, you are. Le- in legal terms? Uh, the uh, emotional damages. Emotion- there you go. It, right. That's Thank exactly you. right. Speaking of emotional damages, Tim, you're about to pick apart my mock draft for 2023. So let's get into it. We'll go pick by pick for these these first five, one at a time, and you can tell me your thoughts. I think some of these are pretty straightforward. Some of them will not be. Uh, and then we can kind of whiz through some of the other picks. You can tell me what's interesting, what's not, what's clearly wrong, what's clearly right. I imagine more will be clearly wrong. But regardless, kicking off, I'll do a drum roll. Go. For, for next year's mock draft, we'll get a drum roll sound effect. You know, budget, budget concerns. Carolina <laughs> Panthers picking first overall select... Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. I don't think this is a surprising selection. I think this is the selection they've been wanting to make since the jump for trading after trading so many picks over to Chicago. Obviously, concerned with Bryce Young really just revolves around the fact that he is not much bigger than I am. And for those that don't know, I'm 5'10 and I weigh about 160 pounds. So not the ideal quarterback frame for the NFL, you would think. I think he's the selection. You're not as high on Bryce Young as I am. Obviously, we did our qb preview last week so any thoughts on bryce to the panthers or is it just this is what's going to happen and we can we can move on down the line there has started to be more momentum in the press um, which i think you can attribute to absolutely nothing other than we have nothing to talk about that maybe this isn't bryce young i agree it's going to be bryce young he seems to be you know what you hear the best playmaker the most upside the whatever 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 he's small he doesn't have uh, stereotypical height what i think people are missing is the build you talk about you're 510 i'm also 510 i weigh a bit more than you do um you know is he meaty enough to stand up to nfl defenses i guess we're going to find out uh because it's almost certainly he's going to go one overall the panthers uh in their existence have never had back-to-back winning seasons not sure a 510, 155-pound quarterback is the right way to get there. But we shall see. At the end of the day, I think you nailed the pick. It's been pretty clear that's where they're headed. Barring a Mario Williams-esque surprise, um, I think this is where we're headed uh, with the number one pick. I, I agree, Luke. 
Okay, so we're one for one on agreement. The second overall pick, this is where the draft starts, right? Houston at two. This has been speculation zilla. I have them taking Will Anderson Jr., edge player from the University of Alabama also. So Bama one, two. Before you uh, opine, this Please. is a pick which has been discussed ad infinitum, right? Um, there was a ton of buzz that they were going to take a quarterback and they couldn't decide which one. That was the original. Then they're not going to take a quarterback has gained some traction in the last sort of week to two weeks. My theory on this is, well, let me extrapolate. My theory originally was this is all complete BS and they're going to take a quarterback and I, this is just playing games. Then I started to think there's no reason for them to be playing games at the second overall pick. They know who's above them. There's only one player that that team's going to take and they know that it's likely to be Bryce Young. Maybe it's CJ Stroud if it's a shocker, but like realistically, it's one of the f- quarterbacks, right? You don't need to put out smoke signals and games and ooh, the drama of who we're going to take if you're going to just take a quarterback because no one knows no one needs to know what you're thinking. The second thing, and this only came up today, and I texted you just before we recorded to say I changed my mind. I had them t- t- picking CJ Stroud, but here's what I heard just before we recorded about an hour or two ago. Nick Casario, in his pre-draft presser, said he was taking calls on the second overall pick, or had been taking calls on the second overall pick, and was quote-unquote listening. Again, there is no reason to say that at all. There is no reason. Teams that do that are saying, please come and take this pick off my hands because I don't want it. If you don't want a quarterback, then you want to get out of this pick or you're going to take somebody else. And I just don't see any reason apart from maybe he's just fucking around and having a good time, which is what I'd do if I was a GM, because why not? Um, There's no reason to play any of these games. So I think they don't like any of the quarterbacks enough to take them at two or they don't want to for strategic reasons or whatever. And they're not going to. So I have them taking Will Anderson. Quick word on Will Anderson. I think he's possibly the best player in the entire draft as a whole unbelievably productive fantastic edge player stood out on a bama defense loaded with good players was the probably the best player i saw in the last college football season and he wasn't even eligible for the draft yet so maybe jalen carter was up there with him but an incredible player definitely a really good selection and a guy who looks to have all the tools you would want very productive in, in at the collegiate level from a sack and tfl standpoint so i don't think it's a bad player to select i would question the decision but i think that's the decision that they will make. You know, I think this will be officially categorized as your first hot take of the evening. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I've seen a couple of names here. The Texans clearly need a quarterback. Um, I think Nick Casario, avid consumer of the Half Yard Line podcast that he is, obviously listened to our quarterback update. We talked about how God, whatever you do, don't take the second quarterback. Taking the guy the other guys didn't want is not the place you want to be, particularly at the number two overall pick. Number two overall picks did not have a particularly good track record. Um, even second quarterbacks off the board that weren't number two tend to be better than number two quarterbacks taken. It tends to be a reach. If you didn't get your guy, you got to get the other guy. Um, and so I think Nick Casario, as terrible as he is as a GM, taking his advice from a couple of guys who have a podcast – Uh, and moving away from the quarterback position as possible. Um, Will Anderson Jr. seems to be the consensus edge rusher here. I think the question for them is, is it interior defensive line or is it edge defensive line? Um, I did see uh, a couple of mocks out there throwing Tyree Wilson, um, yeah. who is another you know edge candidate that people are high on. He's re- I've seen him more in the back half of the first, um, but obviously some people uh, have him higher. So kind of following that edge rush um, as as a potential option. So 
if they do look to the inside of the line, I think there's a couple of other defensive candidates out there. Uh, but defensive linemen, uh, and Jalen Carter obviously being the most obvious of those. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. I mean, Tyree Wilson's been floated. The thing with him is he's he's being touted more as the – he's almost like the Anthony Richardson, you know, like he's extremely high um, potential guy, extremely long, very tall, got lots of great tools. Will Anderson has been ridiculously productive, and I just think it makes more sense to take the guy who's done it than the yeah. guy who could do it in general general terms. Um, the other buzz just before we move off from this pick is that this will be – the betting markets have gone nuts about this being Will Levis for some reason, and I looked up what's going on basically someone put on reddit that they'd had heard from somebody that will levis was the pick or will levis had been told by the texans they were being selected now it's reddit so basically i equivalent i equate i equate will levis to uh gamestop stock from about a year ago so hey listen if you bought GameStop stock stop a couple years ago you're doing fine um yeah so on the the note of the yeah on the note of the edge rushes three cardinals i mean they could literally take anyone their roster is appalling um i had them taking tyree wilson the edge from texas tech Mm. maybe those picks flip-flop um they need anyone so really i don't think they can go particularly wrong with picking any decent football player this is obviously a trade down slot should have said at the top but i'm not doing trades in this because i think it's kind of pointless this is a pick they are desperate to get out of i'm sure and will try their best to if they stick and pick i'd go tyree wilson already kind of touched on his his abilities don't know if we need to go through anything else on on Tyree no Um, pick four is the Colts and I have them taking Will Levis uh mayonnaise in coffee quarterback this has been mocked by everyone and their husband and their wife and their dog I'm buying it it seems like the Colts have locked on to Will Levis as the target you know he's a strong rugged very powerful thrower had a great 2021 2022 took a step back after a bunch of guys left Kentucky and he had some injury issues you might see some you know Josh Allen-ish-ness to him if people squint hard enough the Colts have been linked to him consistently by a lot of people who have either worked for the Colts or know people very well who work for the Colts so I'm buying the stock on them taking Will Levis. Again, if I was taking a quarterback here, I would take CJ Stroud as this mock is, is falling. Um, but I think they're going to stick and, and take Will from an alma mater of your home state. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible. That that has seemed to be the publicity. I I have them at CJ Stroud here. I I I would take CJ Stroud clear, at one as I would take CJ Stroud. I heard that. Yeah. Yep. Um and, and I think I still think it's not impossible CJ Stroud goes one. Um, you know, other than there's absolutely no reason for Carolina to, you know, you talked about this earlier. There's no reason I mean, for them to single other one, signal one and then go the other. Um, if if they change their mind, it'll be because they got convinced to at the end, which is the wrong decision to make anyway. But, yeah, and Frank Reich said today there's consensus on who they're taking, so it's done as far as Carolina's concerned. So yeah, I would it agree. is is already known. It should but, have been known before today, to be honest. But yes, Will Levis is the second quarterback off the board. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how you feel about Bryce Young. At the end of the day, I'm not big on Bryce Young. I had uh, Will Levis as third um, in our our QB. I had Stroud one, uh, Hooker two, and Levis third. Uh, you know, be very interesting to see what Indiana does here. I think um, the Indianapolis <laughs> Colts had been in the trade discussion for several quarterbacks this offseason. Were they going to go get Lamar? Were they going to take one? 
having this pick. I think they would be better off bringing in a veteran and trading this pick. Uh, I think they need more things than just a rookie quarterback. I don't think he's going to come in and fix them, particularly Will Levis of the group, uh, but certainly don't disagree. Uh, that seems to be where this is headed. And uh, if it if it comes out that way, it does. I, I'm going to officially be on the record with C.J. Stroud here so that I can get one up on you when they – when they don't take Will Levis, but uh, I think that's certainly that's been the tea leave reading. Sure, and I mean, yeah, they've been spinning the wheels on veteran quarterback after veteran quarterback. I feel like eventually you got to take a guy who is your guy, and I think if you're picking in the top five, it's time to do it. So we'll see on Thursday. Fifth is Seattle. This is a pick that they picked up from Denver in the Russell Wilson trade. Um, I have them taking Jalen Carter, yep. defensive tackle, Georgia. I think again. We mentioned, I mentioned it with the Will Anderson thing. I mean, he could be the best player in this entire draft, honestly. He's ridiculously good at playing the football. You watch two seconds of tape on him, and he's just so fast. He's 300 pounds. His get-off is incredible. Got interior pass rush ability, strong, stout, quick, side-to-side. Brilliant overall player. Obviously, the main thing with him has been the off-field stuff which you know we won't get too much into but for those that didn't see he was uh, implicated in a uh, basically a drag racing incident in which somebody ended up dying so tragic situation all the way around and that has impacted his draft stock much as it you know you don't want to get too much into that as just guys who are on the outside don't know anything about it but that's the reality Pete Carroll Seattle have never had problems taking guys who have quote-unquote issues off the field end quote so I think this makes a ton of sense for them they get a great player at a position of need and sure they have to manage the off-field stuff but if you're comfortable with that the guy on the field is a dominant force and potential to be an all-pro type player yeah i agree with you one little note on the off-field stuff it was generally it seems like teenagers doing stupid things off-field stuff as opposed to some of the other off-field stuff you've run into it obviously had dramatic consequences and that you know you don't excuse the behavior and you have to deal with the consequences of things that you do but something that'll grow you up real quick is having real significant consequences to your stupid teenage stuff and so you know i think a lot of teams like the seahawks here are willing to say look that's a terrible thing i wish it hadn't happened he obviously is going to learn from that there are things he'll never be able to you know get by because of it but you know hopefully you grow uh, and learn from whatever your experiences are i mean to me this is jalen carter or tyree wilson whoever's available uh, whoever didn't get taken above i think we've we've heard yep. will anderson tyree wilson jalen carter have been the, the defensive topics at the top of the draft um the only exception is i think if you're correct if cj stroud is still on the board here i'm not 100 percent confident the seahawks pass on him I yeah I don't think Seattle is interested in a quarterback in this draft that call me crazy and the next team I have picking is the Lions and I don't think they're interested in a quarterback either so call me nuts I don't think those two teams have been touted a lot as well we've got bridge quarterback in place bloody bloody blah I don't think either of them is is interested in bringing in a quarterback so I, I don't think me, it's their top move either to this stage but you're but, the uh, star guy right you you talk about this if your guy is there and you can take a star especially a star you. who I, can sit for a season um you know that that how many seasons and yeah i don't know uh, i also don't think they're as desperate for better quarterbacks as i think other people are entirely i think i think goff and gino have both proven to be at least very good i mean gino was very good last year goff was very good last year i think they're gonna both come back and go again with uh, the qbs that they have and add talent around them and see how far they get let me pose the question this way if you've got stroud as your 1.1 and he's sitting there at 1.5 regardless of everything else can you oh they'll take him yeah 
they they'd be stupid not to, right? Agreed. But it okay. it just I I don't think that they do. Uh, you know, I I don't know the ins and outs of that building, but my my th- my thought process as far as this draft is falling as I'm mocking it is that Jalen Carter will be the pick. So that's one through five, six through ten. I've got Detroit taking Devon Witherspoon, the Vegas Raiders taking Lucas Van Ness, edge player from Iowa, the Falcons taking Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern, offensive lineman, the Bears taking Paris Johnson Jr. at nine, the offensive tackle from Ohio State, and at 10, the Eagles in the pick they acquired from New Orleans last draft in what became Chris Olave. I've got them taking Nolan Smith, edge player from Georgia. From those five, Tim, any leap out at you as overly nuts? No, I, I, frankly, I have a very similar list. Um, you could kind of reorder a couple of these. I think when you look at the offensive tackles, um, you know, Paris Johnson obviously is is a name on that list. So is Peter Skaronsky. Uh Darnell Wright has been tossed around there. You've got him, I would assume, coming up in a couple of picks here. I think generally speaking, we're looking at the same positions. It's who do you have? I think seven, eight, nine, um, you're going to see a run on linemen. Uh, tackle is the obvious choice there. Um, so I, I, I completely agree with where you're headed. It's a little bit interesting to me um, that we've gotten this far without another quarterback coming off the board. Uh, everybody was talking about you could see four in the top five, you could see four in the top six. We've gotten two and we're through pick 10. Um, so I think obviously wild card always you could see a quarterback. Uh, the only other wild card, and we'll talk about this probably for every five picks until he comes off the board, and that's Bijan Robinson. Yeah. You know, transcendent running back talent. You I've seen him targeted to the Lions. I've seen him targeted to the Raiders. I've seen him targeted to the Falcons. I've yeah, seen him every targeted team. every single team. So uh that's the uh, and 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 the caveat that goes with all of this is any of the above players who we've already selected that have haven't come off the board yet almost certainly become targets for these teams. If you're not looking at a quarterback at the top of the draft, you're looking at an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman and you know, we, we've talked about the edge guys. Vaness is the one that you've got coming off uh, next. Um, uh, you know, I think if obviously Carter were still available, if uh, Wilson were still available, if any of those other guys that we've already talked about were still available, those are the, obviously the same same kind of candidates you would expect to see at these spots. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, the other wild card we already mentioned is, you know, teams trading up to take quarterbacks in the top five or whatever, mm. which could obviously still Fair. happen. Um, a couple of notes on a couple of these picks before we move on. I just wanted to mention, you mentioned Bijan. He's been mocked to every team on earth. The Lions don't make any sense because they just signed David Montgomery to a three-year contract. They've got DeAndre Swift. I don't think it's a meaning. I don't think it's an addition they would make. The Falcons just got a thousand yards from Algier and they need help elsewhere. The Bears, I don't see them doing it either. The Eagles is an interesting one on a on a on a philosophical basis because a good team adding a running back makes more sense than a bad team because it, it can make more Agreed. of a difference. But I don't think they will. And the Eagles just don't ever take running backs in the first round going back forever. So I don't see it happening. The Skaronsky pick I just wanted to touch on because I think he is someone the Bears would possibly like because he gives you the guard tackle flexibility. Um the Falcons, I think, are just going to make really boring selections. <laughs> That's why I have them doing it, because Arthur Smith likes to be, you know, run first, solidify the offensive line. He should be a high floor pick, so I think that makes sense. And then Nolan Smith to the Eagles, I think he's possibly the most boom-bust player in this draft, certainly in the top 10 to 15 selections. He runs a 4-4, he weighs 238 pounds and was injured last year as an edge player. He's the one I had circled as this may not pan out, but if you're the Eagles, you're rolling him into a group which is already pretty loaded and you can have him come through as a rotational pass rusher in the meantime. So just wanted to touch on Nolan because I feel like he could go either way. 
Yeah, the one that we haven't talked about that I feel like, and I know we're trying not to go pick, pick, pick by pick by pick, but um, a top six corner uh, in the NFL draft is a notable occurrence. Devin Witherspoon flying up draft boards the last couple of weeks after he worked out, kind of put his injury concerns behind him. He's not six feet tall, super mm-hmm. fast guy. Um, you know, I, I I think earlier in the offseason, you saw him mocked more mid to late first round. Um, what are your thoughts on Devin Witherspoon? Yeah, tough tackler tough as an old boot type player which i think dan campbell will like they lions last time they picked a corner this high was jeff okuda who they then traded in the off season to atlanta so that's an interesting wrinkle there i think the board's pretty open for the lions they've got a lot of i would say defensive needs so i feel like anywhere they want to go on that side of the ball would be well well met by their fan base they, they could be a wildcard team that even takes a receiver possibly but they could trade back so i really think for the Lions, the board's wide open i think witherspoon makes some sense positional need and play style I think that aligns nicely. I agree. Picking a corner very high can be a risky business, but I think the board's pretty open for them, but I like Witherspoon a lot. All right. Well, look into the next five picks. We have come to your Tennessee Titans, and I think we're about to find out why you have been so afraid of putting a certain player with another team ahead (laughs) of them. So... Uh, let's hear who are the titans taking Luke? yeah you'll be amazed here that yeah it, amazingly that i did this mock draft right uh, i have titans taking cj stroud shocker quarterback from ohio state in a shocker to no one i like i said i did have the texans taking him at two but i looked at the board and if you think the colts take levis and i don't and i have not got um confidence that the lions or the seahawks are going to take quarterbacks and you don't project trades which is what i've not done there isn't really a, a landing spot unless you think the falcons are going to go that route i just don't think they are so really you could see a bit of a slide i think the more likely outcome in terms of if the titans get stroud is that they trade up probably to three to get him that's been rumored a lot um i don't think it's needs much explanation the titans need juice in the franchise in the team i think if cj stroud has gone for the reason that he is a very good quarterback or the team doesn't draft up or doesn't trade up to draft him i think this is offensive line or wide receiver i would personally go with Smith and Jigba here if I was drafting um, because I think the team just needs players who can score points but to what you said before if a guy you think is a potential franchise quarterback is there and you're picking 11th then it, you run the card up to the podium and figure out all the other needs Tannehill's going to be gone after the end of this season because his contract's up and he's probably not going to be re-signed unless it's as a bridge this would be the guy to take the franchise forward into the next generation if you will um, so CJ Stroud would be the pick there I'll let you comment on the Titans pick before I do the other four, just because I know you obviously will want to. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think if CJ Stroud's there, it's a no-brainer. You have to take him. I've said that for three teams at this point. So, um, you know, at at some point, that's either true or I'm an idiot. Um, I I guess the real question I have for you as a Titans fan, if if Stroud goes to the Colts, are you taking Levis? Are you taking Richardson? Or you you said in Jigba, but – like, do you I think wouldn't. the Titans are making that call, or do you think the Titans are taking the best quarterback available here, no matter what? I don't think I don't think the Titans are going to be wedded to a position at eleven because you can't be. To your point, if you if your plan is to stick and pick, then you have to be willing to see four quarterbacks go off the board ahead of you. If you if you like all four, I think realistically most teams aren't going to like all four. I think teams are going to like two, maybe three. If you're the Titans, and Anthony Richardson is there. I, I don't want the Titans drafting Anthony Richardson, personally. Um, well, you drafted him last think, year and his name was Malik Willis. I mean, like, it's the same right. thing, you know? It, yeah, I mean, certainly some similarities in terms of, you know, needing to be developed and so on. So for me personally, I, I don't think if you're 11, you can say, we'll take the best X 
position available, certainly not quarterback, because the likelihood is you're going to get jumped or the guy's going to go. If it falls this way, I think the Titans would be mad not to take CJ Stroud. If he's not there, I don't particularly, as a fan, not as what I think will happen as a fan, I don't want him selecting Levis or Anthony Richardson, really. I don't have a huge um, grade on either of those two guys. So that's not the route I would go down. I would say you're at that point, you're either in reset and hitch the wagon to the next quarterback, or you're in make the current version of the team as good as you can right now and hope for the best because the AFC is loaded and you move on next year or whenever the the opportunity arises, you you, you mortgage some future picks go up and get your guy, whatever. Um, but I would take CJ Stroud. I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take Levis or Richardson. But I think yeah. if they want Stroud, they'll probably have to move up. The only other uh, comment I would make on this is if they get to 11 and Stroud is not on the board, um, it, it's entirely possible that one of those offensive tackles that we mocked at 7-8-9 exactly. falls down. And, and to me, that's a better pick than a wide receiver at this spot. But certainly Jackson Smith and Jigba um, is going to go very quickly after 11 if we don't go there. So maybe time to move there. Luke, who do you have at 11, uh, 12 through 15? Funny you should mention it, Tim. He's going very quickly after that because I have the Texans taking him at pick 12. Jackson Smith and Jigba receiver Ohio State. I have the Packers going Broderick Jones from Georgia at 13, which I think is probably a little bit of a surprise. Not many people have them taking a tackle, but I do. Patriots at 14. I've got Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, the cornerback. 15, Darnell Wright, offensive tackle. Tennessee goes to the Jets. So of those four, any any big splashes you're interested in talking about? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed the one that, that jumped off the page as surprising to me. I've got the Packers taking defense here. Um, but that's because I still have Nolan Smith on the board and you have him off the board from earlier is probably part of why. Um, so I've got them going Nolan Smith here. Uh, you know, I certainly think that Roger Jones offensive tackle makes more sense than a lot of the mocks I've seen, which have them taking a tight end. Um, yeah, I've, that's I've the s- common one. Yeah, Dalton Kincaid is is certainly the number one mocked to what to to Green Bay. Uh, you know, yep. you're gonna you're gonna go to Jordan Love. Obviously, safety blankets are nice for young quarterbacks. I, I think offensive tackles are better than tight ends for young quarterbacks. Um, so I would like to yeah. see a, an offensive tackle. I think that makes sense. Uh, but I actually think their bigger needs are on defense. Um, and I think if you can get you know, the Nolan Smith, certainly if Lucas Vaness were to fall to this spot. So I've got them yep. going to the defensive side of the ball uh, more than I do the offensive side of the ball. But if they're going to go offense, I, I think tackle makes sense there. Um, I think looking at the Patriots picks are always interesting. You know, you've got them going Christian Gonzalez, um, which is not how I had them going. I had them looking um, a, a slightly different direction. So maybe give me a little bit on why you went Gonzalez there for the Patriots. Sure. I'll give you a quick uh, two seconds on Jones just because uh, I, I agree with what you're saying just on the Packers pick. The the, the reason is that Bakhtiari's basically been injured ever since he signed that contract. So they should look to at least have a contingency contingency plan in place. And they're going to run a lot of outside boot stuff because Lafleur likes that with Jordan Love and you don't want him to die. Tight end is an interesting one. I actually almost had them taking Michael Mayer there rather than Kincaid because he's a much better blocker. He's an inline Y guy that they can use, so it gives you some flex, but I agree with the point. Gonzalez, I had Patriots down as almost a complete dart throw, to your point. They're a very difficult team to try and predict. Last year, they took Cole Strange, which absolutely nobody ever saw coming. I had Gonzalez. He's kind of a different type of corner to the ones they have. They have a lot of small guys. We've actually talked about it in the past on the pod. Gonzalez is 6'1". 
and 4-3-8. He's almost like a matchup corner that they could get. They had Stefan Gilmore. He was very successful in New England. This is a similar, more of a similar build to him than to the corners they have on the roster. He's also best player available for me at this stage. And I feel like Bill is going to go down that route. They've always liked best player available as a philosophy in New England. Um, they could also trade down. I really don't know what they're going to do. If it falls this way, I think they would take Gonzalez just as best player. Needs-wise, they do have quite a lot, so it just depends on what they would fancy doing. But it, he felt like a kind of Patriots-y selection to me at this stage, and that ultimately was about as uh, scientific as I got beyond best player available. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I have him farther down my board, um, and I think that's perhaps why I was – uh, uh, a little bit weird. I have Brian Branch um, at going to the Patriots here at this spot. Yeah, that would be very Patriotsy as well. That's actually a, a good call. Um, but no, I didn't have uh, I didn't have B Branch going to B Belichick in my uh, in my mock. <laughs> well, there you go. But no, I mean, other than that, I think those picks all make sense. They address needs for the teams. They're players that are being picked in the right kind of spot. That that was the one that jumped off to me. I've got him almost tail end of the first round. So I was really interested to hear your thoughts on that one. So Luke, that will bring us to the end of part one of the mock. Check out part two of the mock will be posted tomorrow morning. If you're listening to this as it is posted, uh, but do check out part two of the mock Get the back half of the round. Always want to get the lead out there for you. Top 15 picks available for you here. We'll get 16 through 31 in the abbreviated first round out to you as quickly as possible. Do check us out on social media at Half Yard Line Pod on Instagram and Twitter, halfyardlinepod at gmail.com on the email. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all those cool things uh, would be great for us. Really appreciate your time. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. Until next time, be good. See you soon.